you for listening to this message from the North Gate. So, man, uh, pretty much everything that happened in worship was my message. Like, we actually, uh, I think the six was here today. I shot a text out. I got up today. I'm like, I'm going to see if anyone wants to go pray at 11. And six was came down. We actually sang that song. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. I haven't heard that song in so long. It's just cool stuff. I mean, my whole message is really about the simple gospel. And they sing that too. Now I'm sitting there like laughing, like, really? Like, so I, I want to like, man, here's what happens. We have human beings have a tendency to overcomplicate everything. Why? Because we're emotional people. And so it happens to all of us. It don't matter how emotional you are or not emotional, you will complicate your life. And so there's a quote by a guy named, most of you probably never heard of him, and it doesn't even matter. I read a book by his, but he has this quote, and I haven't tracked with him at all, but man, this book really touched me years ago. Uh, his name's Eric Gilmore, and he has this quote. It's like, everything is to gaze upon Jesus. Everything else is to make adjustments so you can continue to gaze upon Jesus. And I think that one line out of his book, that and the whole drench with the testimony of Jesus never left me. And that, that's pretty much it. And I, I don't know how many times I've been there in my life, maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, I don't know, where the Lord's like, okay, clear everything out. Get back to this. And guess what this is? His face. Every single time. And a lot of those times, I think I'm a goner. Oh, I screwed it up now. The whole world's falling apart. It's too late. God, if you still use me, even if you have to send me to hell, I've actually prayed that before. Even if you'd use me just so I could save someone else if you're going to send me to hell. That's how, that's how much faith I had, how much unbelief I had, but still hungering for ministry. <laughs> Does that make sense? So, man, he takes us through this, and I try, to, I try to articulate this through Mike Bickle and I hot story a couple months ago. But Mike Bickle, the Lord told Mike Bickle, there's these four things. They're not our four things. They're his four things. But he's like, people will try to talk you out of, the devil will try to talk you out of, society will try to talk you out of these four things. No matter what you do, don't leave these four things. And he said, anytime you start to veer off track, I'm going to speak to you. I'll send a prophet. I'm going to send people to you to remind you of these four things so you get back on track because I never want you to leave. And it hit me for the first time. For the first time, first works made complete sense in the book of Revelations. How many of you know what I'm talking about? He says, first love then he says first works, but he never lists what those works are. And I think that's intentional because I always thought, well, that's evangelism and that's prayer meetings and that's right. And it could be for some people, but I think the reason why it's there generically is because like the Lord knew millions of people are going to read that. And I think it's unique to all of our authenticity and every authenticity to every church that would read that. So there's first love, which is absolutely him. And then there's first works, which is your assignment tied to that, I, I believe. And so I think, man, um, there's just some things that we're never going to get away from, no matter what it looks like, and one's awakening. How do we know? Because no matter what phase we've been through together, you know, one thing, all of us in the room, right? When that awakening hits the room, we look at each other and we, yes, and every one of us in our interior witness testifies that this is who we are. That's who, that's who they are. And it's not that you can't do other things, but at the center of it all is going to be awakening. There's going to be prayer. There's going to be worship. Those, those, like, those things are always kind of at the center, no matter how much equipping we do, no, prophetic, it's all great. But those, those three things seem to be kind of at the center. And so it's funny how no matter where we go, the Lord always brings us back to those things, right? So I want to kind of teach this for us like corporately and also individually, Kevin, if we could throw up 2 Corinthians 11.3. I forget we got this. Now I can actually see it because I'm up closer. Back there, I need my glasses. Thank you, Pastor, for giving me this. I can see it now. A little blurry, but I can still see it. So this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. But now I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's clever lies, your thoughts may be corrupted and you may lose your single-hearted devotion and pure love for Christ. Now, this sounds really hard. This is not what I'm applying for us, <laughs> okay? But what I want you to get is, at the edge of it all, Paul's saying, 
listen, your deception is, it's not about, we think about being deceived as like this, the wolves pulled over eyes and all this kind of crazy, like dark Lord of the Rings dragon thing happening. No, it's not what that is. What this is, is if I was at work and I was explaining to someone, I would use the word blind spots instead of deception. You get into a place where you start to make it about other things and you stress yourself out about other things, but only one thing really matters, right? And so years ago, man, I had this ministry you've all, we've talked about before, the Freedom Prayer Room, the Glory Barn, right? And man, my life is doing really good, but the Glory Barn is really sucking at the time. Sucked. I hated going there. I hate seeing everyone there. Welcome to the life of ministry. Slumps. Right? It shouldn't be like that. But there's times where you do get like that because you're in a process. And so, man, I, I don't know if we were married or engaged at the time, but like we were engaged. She had a good job. It was awesome when you marry up. And then my career starting to take off. I had a master's degree and delivered pizza for several years because, you know, something called the economy sucked really bad in 2005. And so I'm sitting here going through this and I'm like, oh, my career finally takes, starts to go. I get my current job where I'm still at. And, and all these different things are starting to happen. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. I always wanted a truck and a Jeep. And, I, and again, I married up. She had a truck and a Jeep, praise God. So I didn't even have to pay for it. So, so this is going great. Like she bought us a house because she made all the money, right? All these different things back then. I'm like, man, I got this great inheritance. I have to pay for any of it, right? So I got all these things to be happy about, right? But it felt like my entire world was falling apart. How does that make sense? Why did it feel like my entire world was falling apart? The only thing that sucked in my life was the ministry I ran. And I was going into my closet, and this is, you could take this prophetically, I guess, come to think about it. But I was in my closet, and Jen bought this old book from Goodwill called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And, and if you know Jen, she's got a lot of those books, right? So it's, I read that in college, and it changed my life. So this book was sitting back there, and I'm going through this like, oh, I remember calling her one time, and my loving, gentle wife, who's nice to everyone, and I call her, and I'm like, I'm done with everything. I want to leave. I just want to take off. I, I want to leave ministry. I want to, have you ever, anyone ever been there before? Right? I know you have, because you talked about it. I'm not the only one. Like, screw it. I don't even know if I would do this. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. I just want to take off. And Jen gets real quiet. I'm like, what do you think? She's like, do you really want to hear what I have to say? And I'm like, I'm thinking nice, sweet. It's okay, comfort. No, no, no. No, it's not what I got from Jen. Nice, sweet Jen. Not funny Jen. No, I didn't get any of that. I got, well, you're going to be a crybaby the whole time or are you going to suck it up and do what you know you have to do? I mean, I've heard you complain for 30 minutes on the phone. So what are you going to do? Are you going to give up and walk away from everything or are you going to do what you got to do? Because I'm not sitting here doing this all the time. Make, your, make up your mind. Let's go. What are you going to do? And I'm like crying. I'm like, that's not what you're supposed to say. <laughs> I was in my car driving. like, you're supposed to like come for me or something. I'm kind of mad. And I'm like, then I'm like, I guess I'm just going to do what I got to do. She's like, good. I'll pick up some food on the way home or something. I don't know. Like something. <laughs> she was not moved by it. Okay. She was not moved by it. But man, I go in the, I go back. And during that time, and I go back and I walk in our like little room, we turn into a walk-in closet. And there that book was. And that book changed my life back in college years ago. And so I just said, just sticking out to me. So let me pick it up. So I pick it up and I did one of those things. You just kind of open up and start looking at it, reading it. Like you're like, eh, it's probably nothing. I'm just going to pick it up. I pick it up and I open up this chapter and it started talking about how your life feels like it's falling apart. If what you, he used the word center. I don't use the word center. I call these life anchors. He, he talked about when you center your life on something and that particular thing gets shaken, your whole world feels like it's falling apart, even if the rest of your life is doing great. And I was like, my God, this is exactly what I'm going through. And so God used that book to highlight and, and let and say, Mike, you're actually, you actually, your identity is anchored into the glory barn and not me. No, no, Jesus. Because if you came up to me, I'd have been like, you're out of your freaking mind. I pray three hours a day. I'm down there choir. I can show you my sweat tears, my tears and sweat from praying out here all night. Blah, 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 blah. And, and I would have never, I would have said, no, 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 it's anchored to Christ. No, no. As religious as I was, I had no idea, right? Why? Deception. Blind spot. 
Blinds, a friendlier word is blind spot. I couldn't see that my identity was actually anchored in ministry more than Christ. How did I know? Everything's doing great, except for my crazy family that came to try to kill my, the devil sent to ruin my ministry. <laughs> and it was working at that time, it seemed like. God bless her heart, right? So that shaking though, God was now able to pull back the blinders of that deception that I had and allow to re-anchor myself into Christ and not the ministry. So now I'd say, well, even if this thing goes away, I'm fine. I still got Jesus. I still got my wife. We still got the house. We got our friends. Do you see what I'm saying? And so I find that like sometimes we begin to anchor ourselves in anything. I found myself realizing this year that I anchored myself in my job too much. Like identification. I'm talking to the Hebrews about potential business in the future. And I'm like, you know what I realized? And I said, for the first time I realized I could leave this and not try to hold on to it. I'm ready to go. Like, I don't like before I was like, well, I could work part time and I could, but I'm going to try And I, in my mind, I'm like, why am I trying to hang on to something old? Am I moving forward? And he keeps saying lately, you can't go into the new thing, what, until there's an ending. And so I realized I've been in preparation because I didn't realize I started anchoring myself in my work. It, it's so, it happens so subtly, you don't realize you start to pull identity. You start to think in self examine. well, this is going good, this is going good, so let me anchor that. You don't even realize you're doing it. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is the simple gospel and a single-hearted devotion to Christ. You know what devotion is? Mike taught us very well. Pastors taught us very well. But before devotion is prayer, it's, and I text this out to some people, before it's prayer, before it's worship, it's love, it's loyalty, it's affection. And so my problem has been in the past when my devotion gets my devotion time gets dry. I'm still in devotion, brother. How's your devotion? Great. I pray an hour a day. Okay, but how's your enthusiasm? Because I've been there an hour and a half, two hours before, and I'm sitting there going, I can't concentrate. I'm thinking about everything else. But I got to spend this hour or two because I know I have to do it. I wasn't, my devotion was leaving. See what I'm saying? This isn't, don't take this as like, I got to muster up and train. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, you know what I do in those situations that get out of it every single time? I do this. I get up in the morning to pray, and I go, Lord, I lost my passion for you. I, I lost it. I'm not hungry. I'm only doing this because I know I have to, and I don't like it. Fix it, please. Almost every single time in that moment of humility, guess what happens? He relights my fire in that moment. You have not because you ask not. The humility of just saying, dude, this is waning, and I confess it. I'm not going to keep pretending it's not there. Dude, he takes care of it that quick. And so he always brings us back to these moments, okay? Always brings you back to the moments. And what's funny is it always seems like it's in the worst timing for what you're going through, okay? Let's go to Galatians 3, 1 through 9 real quick. <coughs> See, I'm still looking back there. What has happened to you, Galatians, to be acting so foolishly? You must have been under some evil spell. Didn't God open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Wasn't he revealed to you as the crucified one? So answer me this. Did the Holy Spirit come to you as a reward for keeping all the Jewish laws? No. You received them as a gift because you believed in the Messiah. Your new life in the anointing one began with the Holy Spirit giving you a new birth. Why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish your own works. Let's just stop right there. In the moment we think we have to take the bull by the horns, hunker down. I mean, how many times we've we been there, honestly? You know what he starts telling us if we actually listen? Just come back here and sit in my feet. Yeah. But God, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Like, ah! Come here. Every time I, I get in these rants to the Lord, I start complaining to him, right? I'm like, God, I freaking suck. I did this. I screwed up again. Have you ever done this? And like the one time I say this all the time, but I, I, I want you to really get it. I'm like, 
what about this? I'm supposed to be starting a business. It's been like five, six, seven, eight years now. It's a few years ago. And I'm like, just like, what am I doing? All this stuff. And he's just like, hey, Mike. And I'm like, yes. You know what your problem is? I'm like, what, Lord? I don't have a business and I'm behind. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. See how the voice of Ishmael that in that failure, that feel of fair religion begins to rise up. He said, you know, your problem is you still don't, you're still not fully convinced that I'm eternally committed to you. He didn't say anything about my problems. He just said, the root of all this is you still think, but shouldn't have I started this five years ago? Should I have did this? Should I have done? No, 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 no. Let's get to the root of all this thing. <coughs> You're still not convinced. And it kind of broke my heart. Like I was like, oh man, he was so gentle. He was so gentle. And I have to catch myself because whenever I start to dream for my business, it's all in wonder. And then I get in this mode. I got the dry erase board out. And I'm like, I could do coaching, consulting, training. I got webinars in person. I could get affiliate income, marketing ads right here. I could do a podcast. And I'm like, <laughs> and there's all this stuff on my dry erase board. It's up there now, actually. <laughs> and I, and I, I look at it and I'm like, where do I start? Oh, then I start stressing myself out. It always starts dreaming with God. And then as soon as I get to it, I always have to back up and go, whoa, this is just my head going. Let me erase all this and get back to the simplicity of it. Lord, what should I do? And if you don't want to talk about it, I don't need to think about it. And it's, that's liberating. These, these things that we hold on to, I saw like this when we were praying today. I saw people that literally took, okay, it's easy to see how we could idolize ministry. But I, I saw today that people were taking, I saw a crown and said anxiety on it. And people were literally taking a crown and the Lord's like, come on, give it to me. And you would take it off your head and you're looking at it and you went to surrender it to it. And then the last minute you pull back. And it reminded me of Lord of the Rings. The crazy, what's his name? Gollum. Precious. I hate that thing. Makes me trigger. But you had this crown of anxiety and the Lord was like pulling it away from you. Like, come on, give it to me. Just let me have it. And you identified, it was a crown. A crown identifies you and it empowers you. You literally empower this thing so much, you let it identify who you are. And whenever this thing went to leave, you got so fearful, so anxious to let it go. You couldn't let it go, so you kept snatching it back. Because even though, just like Gollum, even though the ring was killing you, made you look like a mummy, even though it got you tormented by these demon things flying out with you, you still couldn't let it go. You know it's terrible for you, but there's something in there that kept drawing you, drawing you, some kind of fear that keeps drawing you. And all it was was just a simple surrender. Then I saw Psalms 103, where it says, he crowns me with loving kindness. And so, so you want to overcome anxiety, you know what you do? You don't, have, you don't need a 12-step program. You probably don't even need a counselor. You know what you do? You just finally say, I don't know why I'm holding on to this thing. Let me let it go. And let him take a crown that you're called to, called loving kindness, and let him place it on your head. But you can't see the self-care helps, okay? Working out, all these like, things we do, those things are helpful, but it doesn't cure anything. When we're building things, it doesn't cure anything. The only thing that matters is the work of the Spirit in you. Like he says right here. Why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit to try to finish by your own works? And I could preach that, but I'm telling you, there's so many times I deceptively fell in that trap over and over again. He has to come back to constantly remind me, dude, you're not going to do it. Let me give you some examples. There's a lady I worked with. She was in one of our shelters. Doesn't work. Car was broke down. Her and I got along real great. She trusted me. We had a good relationship at work kind of thing. And she, she came to me and had a coach purse. I was like, hey, that looks pretty nice. Where'd you get that? Did you steal it? You know, kind of kidding around. She's like, no, I got $700 back from the earned income credit. And I said, I'm going to get me a purse. I got me a purse. And I said, seriously, 
you don't think you should have got your car fixed? And she says, Mike, I knew you were going to say that. So I've been waiting for this. And we kind of laughed a lot, you know what I mean? And she's like, listen, what you don't understand is I sleep with this thing. I was like, what? You're getting weird now. She's like, Mike, I don't, it makes me feel like a person. And I'm like, what? I can't, I can't relate to that. Like, I'll probably be the dude buying Walmart clothes or Kohl's clothes if I made $10 million because I just, I'm too cheap. No matter how much money you make, I'm cheap. Right? And like, so I'm sitting there going, okay, so someone telling her you should probably not do that, is that going to help her? When is, when is, when is she going to get the fix that she needs? Well, she has value for herself. Like, you can try to convince her to do that. Like, she's not until the heart behind how she sees herself and how she views her life is going to shift. And we can't, it's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. You know that word renewing actually means to change the heart and life behind something? And so, man, we got to do all this stuff, and it's true. We got to do these things. We got to put things in order 100%. I'm on board. Absolutely, there's still things I'm working on that should have been done, and I'm behind, and I still have to get some of those things done. One of them's like health, and I've been really hitting that lately because I got to the point where it's like, like I woke up, and it was like something just clicked for me. Like, it's not going to happen if I don't do it. So I could live intentionally, like Apostle just told on, or I could just like keep dreaming and hoping that one day I'm going to wake up healthy, or I'm just going to have to put the work in. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, that's not striving. What's funny is I was so tired and unhealthy that it, I hated, like, I loved working out, but I hated to do it. As I started to do it, guess what happened? I got more energy and my capacity began to increase. And I found some things like DDP that worked for me. And I started doing that. And I'm like, hey, this doesn't hurt now if I go do this. Then that empowered me to go back to the gym more to do this. And I started doing cardio and all these things, the ball started rolling. Why? Because of intentionality. And I want to tell you today, even though those things that we need to do are there, they're they're real things. You got to pay the bills. You got to go to work, right? You got to take care of them. You got to process things. It all is second to his face. The root of transformation is always his face. It's something that's been hitting me. I text them that one thing I get in prayer for this family every time I pray for it is lampstand. I can't get over it. When Apostle said that back, you can't go back and establish the lampstand. It freaking bang, 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 bang right here. Right? And you know what I think that is? I, I think it's just literally just going after him. Like, like we did this morning. We came down. There's, there's no agenda. We don't even have to intercede for anything. It's just let's see God. And then when he puts something on our heart, we'll move in that direction. And it's just like, bang, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I realized Armin and I did that at the beginning of the year. And we're like, I'm just going to set up for three weeks. I'm going to go down every night at 8 o'clock. There's a sacrifice to it. It's not striving. If you would have been in the room during those times, you realize there's no striving at all. You know, Apostle said this recently. He said, every time there's a Carolina revival, he spends all day at the church. He's the dude bringing the Pierce message. He's the dude talking about beloved identity. He's praying all day before those services. That is not striving. You know what he's doing? He's tending the lampstand. He's strengthening the connection. Benny Hinn, before he did these miracle signs and wonders, you know what he'd do? He would lock in the hotel. His wife wasn't even allowed to come that day off. No newspapers. He had someone watching his door. And he would, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's kind of extreme. But he would, he would literally just sit there with the Lord all day long to, to, for, to, to go in and do this. It's not even about producing the crusade thing, the fruit he has. But he was so locked in. So he'd get up and sing, you know, sometimes probably terribly, in my opinion. He would sing these songs like opera style, and I'm like, ah. But then people would just start going crazy, like falling out like in the spirit in his meetings. Why? Because there's a lampstand. Northgate, we're not going to win the city by any mechanical measure. Nothing we manufacture is going to do it. You know what's going to happen? We get so close to Jesus that the light just burns. Like Apostle said, go establish a lampstand. You know what that is? Wherever we're doing, we're face to face. It doesn't mean, 
you don't do family fun. No, no, no. We do those things. But you know what happens? It's a little bit different because people come in there. Armin was telling me this morning, he was with the band and he's, he's just there doing his thing and having a good time. And parents come up to him and say, hey, I'm so glad you're here. My kids act different when you're here. What? What? What about all the weak areas of my life? Okay, work on them. But you know what else? People are changing in, in front of you. Dude, yeah, do you see what I'm saying? Like, we have areas of weakness we're going through, but as long as you stay face-to-face, guess what happens? Family members will come up to you. My kids are different around you. Why? Because it's all him. Because when people get around the light, guess what they do? They quit being self-absorbed. They start acting a little less. Ask my wife, when I treat her the best is when I pray the most. It's not striving. If there's just something about getting face-to-face that I come out there, I'm a little extra lovey. Get a little extra back scratch, right? A little extra massage coming in there because there's something in there. And what I'm saying is, it's all week I've been praying, guys, and one verse is coming up to mind. And you've heard this verse before. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 3, Kevin. You've all heard this. This is not a new message. What I'm here to do is just remind you of the importance. We already experienced this in worship tonight, didn't we? So 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever the Spirit is, there is freedom. Think about that. If you're struggling with emotional issues, depression, anxiety. By the way, I just, I saw some research being quoted on LinkedIn last week. You know what they're saying now, scientifically, and I haven't heard this anywhere else and I haven't fact check it, so just take it as a grain of salt. But they're saying now, physiologically, when your body goes into depression, anxiety, you know what's actually happened? Is your body's refusing to fight anymore. Your body's saying, I'm tired of fighting this. We're just giving up. We're shutting down. And it actually keeps you from fighting. So you know what that means? The quickest way out of it is don't fight. Surrender. Your body's like, I can't handle the stress of this anymore. So I'm going to prevent you from from trying to fight your way through this. So guess what? You're not going to fight your way out of depression. You're not going to fight your way out of drug addiction and anxiety. You know what you're going to do? You're going to keep digging a hole and getting worse and worse and worse because you're going to try the same old thing again. You're going to try the meditation. You're going to try the self-care. It ain't going to work. You'll feel better for a moment. You're going to keep going the same trap, 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 trap until you get so face-to-face, all those things begin to just to shed off you. Next thing you know, you surrender to him and it's gone. Just like that. Just like that. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And then with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We, here's the key, right? We've all heard this before. Are being transformed into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Business owners in the room, are you just doing business stuff? Or are you being face-to-face and letting the the Lord finish the process for your business? Because we tell you all the time, the business or the ministry is just an extension of who you are. So the world will say, well, this is your personal spiritual walk. This is your business. No, no, it's an extension of who you are. And it will reflect you. So if you come there, just like your families will reflect you, right? So as you go there, are you, are you seeking the face of the Lord and inviting? Because if he's in your life, he's going to be in your business life. But if you start backing away from that lampstand, and you start backing away from that enthusiasm, guess what happens? It just gets cooler. It just gets cooler. And guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to put your hands on it more, and hands on it more. How do I know this? Patricia King had a group of missions to get sex slaves and human trafficking in Asia and all these different places. And she's building these villages and buildings for people for housing. And she has a construction team in Asia or Africa somewhere. I can't remember. And she said, we did an hour of worship before we started every single day, but then the schedule got too intense. So guess what we did? We backed off worship. They cut it out and just said, that's fine. We got too much work. She's like, you know, it took us longer to do this, to do less work when we quit worshiping. She's like, I can't explain to you why it works. 
All I know is when we got together as a crew, we began to worship an hour a day and honor the Lord. Things just happened. Supply chain that wasn't supposed to get there in time, got there in time. Mistakes didn't happen. I didn't have to go back and fix anything because things were just working out smooth. We didn't realize that that was the favor of the Lord on our business. As soon as they backed away, guess what happened? I'm not telling you have to earn it. I'm just saying, when you invite him in your life, are you inviting him to every area of your life? Are you bringing in, because right here is the key to transformation. Beholding the glory of the Lord, I become transformed. So what's the first step in fixing your marriage? You've probably heard it here a million times. Devotion. And some of us took a little devotional book, which is fine. I'm not knocking those things. Read a paragraph, closed it, and said, I did my devotion today. No, you never got into devotion. And I'm not trying to put works on you. Were you enthusiastic? Did it strengthen your connection? Man, I'm reading the Psalms again. Like this week, I started going back and reading the Psalms. And I'm seriously like reading the bad ones. Because what I did was... I have this weird thing. I want to read the whole book and highlight everything. So I go back to the ones I haven't read and they're all the bad ones because I read all the good ones. So this is like, why are you judging me? How long, how long are you going to foresee that kind of stuff? And I'm reading those things and getting so encouraged. I'm reading those things and I'm getting spiritual food. You want to know why? Because every place in the, in the midst of the worst distress in the book of Psalms, almost every time it goes back, nevertheless, God, you're my God. You're the hope of my countenance. And it always ends with glory. Why? Because nothing gets fixed through our effort. Everything gets fixed. It doesn't mean I don't have to go work out and watch what I eat. No, no, no. Quit trying to pass off responsibility. That's what I, not what I'm talking about. Take responsibility, get things in order. But your number one priority in order has to be him. And when you do that, it begins to change. You know why? Because things just get easier. Things begin to work out in your favor. I've prayed little and I've prayed much. And my life's always been better the more I pray. I'm not putting striving on you. I'm just saying, the more I spent time with him, the easier life goes, the nicer I am, and favor just attracts me. I haven't got a job since I've been saved through applying, through an application process. Everywhere I've gone made a special assignment for me. I'm telling you the truth. So things get tight. Should I go start looking for a job everywhere? Or do I just get face to face? Jen lost her job at Bank of America years ago because it shut down. You know what the Lord told us to do? Go to, go to Morningstar for KBA, Kingdom Business Association thing. We go down there, meet some guy. His name's Pete. Probably never talked to him again, maybe once on LinkedIn because I connected with him on there. Talk to Pete. Pete leans over during a, a mar thing on marketing or branding on social media or something. I don't even know what they're talking about. Leans over and is like, are you out of work? And Jen's like, yes. And she's like, the Lord's going to, don't go looking for a job. The Lord's going to bring back, I think through one of your former colleagues, and he's going to bring a uh, job to your doorstep, and that's the one for you. Do you know, as soon as we, was at, we came back from that trip like a week later, one of her former managers that was the same level as her called her and said, hey, are you working anywhere? I heard Bank of America shut down because you got to come over here to this bank. Happened exactly like it happens. Does she, and then listen, it was me, then her, because she's like, I'm cool taking time off. I got severance pay. I've never had time off. And I'm like, what are you doing? We're going to lose everything. It was me, not her. I was like, get up, get your resume done, right? I was the one in the flesh trying to make it happen. And then we go down to Morningstar and I'm like, and then she started, because that was me. I got her going. She's like, oh no, should I be worried? Should I? And then, this guy gives the word. We're like, no, we're not. We went through the adoption. There's moments where, man, it was just weird because, you know, we talked to them and I'm like, oh, this is getting weird. It's getting emotional, you know? And then one time I remember I just broke down. I had to call my Uncle Dave because he was like my dad. You know what I mean? Like just something about the biological father sometimes that he, he was like, so I called. I knew he wouldn't give me advice or tell me anything I didn't know. I just said, Uncle Dave, I just needed a familiar voice to kind of hear me out. And I just lose it, and I bawl my eyes out. And he's just like, Uncle Dave does, well, you know, it'll be all right. God's got you. Love you. Greatest, greatest advice I ever had. But you know what happens? All the worrying, all this stuff. The $80,000 hospital bill comes in. Oh, I know this is coming. And I open it up. Then I hear the father belly laugh. I have a choice. 
which I figure out to go, Pastor, how am I going to pay this? What am I going to do? I, I mean, and, and that's fine to do that. Do that if you need to. But I, I heard him laugh. And I text him, hey, got the bill in. But I heard the father belly laugh. So I was in faith, but I was kind of like, are you sure, Lord? I'm hearing right. So I text him, they're like, praise God. And I was like, okay, I can't back off it now. You know, I already told him what I heard. So I'm, I'm kind of like, okay. Literally, we call the attorney, goes away, disappears. Never to come back again. $80,000. I went to do a missions trip. When I first got saved, the Lord said, I'm sending you a wife. And I was dating someone for five years. And obviously it wasn't her because she was already sent. And not by him, by someone else. I'm sending you a wife. And I'm sending you to Africa. I get married a week and a half later. Her and I go to Africa. It's $3,200 a person. I deliver pizzas. It was broke as a joke. You know what happened? <clears throat> All these fundraising strategies. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. This, 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 this. But I prayed. My God, I'm overwhelmed just from thinking about everything I got to do to raise $3,200. Guess what happened? Got a phone call. Two people said, the Lord told us to pay for your trip. I've never had a moment in my life that I needed something. And every time I would try to make it happen, guess what? He came through. Right. And you know what he said to me after that time? He said, now you can do what I want you to do and quit trying to scheme your way to, to make this happen. And unfortunately, I didn't learn that lesson well. Because so many more times I had to go back and do this, learn the same lesson over. That every time I tell you something, provision comes with it. So what, I'm, what am I trying to tell you? You're not going to change your life and your family is not going to get transformed unless you stay right there face to face. All the stuff you have to do will fall into line when you make the first thing, the main thing, the main thing. Does that make sense? And as you do that, now you have the temperament for order. Now you have this. Now let me do this. I'm not telling you not to work on those things now. What I'm saying is when you put him first, things tend to fall in place because everything I've tried to do in my own self-effort has always failed. But every time I got back face-to-face, I said, Lord, even if it all falls apart, I just give it to you again. And guess what? It always comes out better than it did before. How many times have I texted you guys, I think my job's done this year? And Dakota makes fun of me. He'll be like, yeah, I've heard that a thousand times. (laughs) Why don't you have a little faith? (laughs) Like, you little freaking punk. You're lucky you're bigger and stronger than me. I give you a little elbow. You probably kick my butt. Do you see what I'm saying? What am I telling you? I'm saying at Northgate, it's time to get back to his face. Now, I know we love worship and I know we love prayer and I know we've been faithful in those things. And I'm not telling you, it's, it's got to like, you got to grunt your way and beat your chest. I got to make it happen. I got to make sure I get up and do this. No, no, no. What I'm telling you is there's nothing like his face. And when you get his face, you get everything. You get everything in life. Seek ye first the kingdom and all of its righteousness. And what happens? Everything else be added to you. And for some reason, I've had to learn that same lesson over and over and over again. But it's as simple as this. When I make the space, and what apostle used the language? Intention and attention. When you live intentionally, your attention goes to it. You know what I've realized with this like last spot of working out that's different? Is I, I decided to live intentionally because I finally just got to the point where I'm like, either I'm going to do it or I'm not. Not this, oh, I could do this. I could lose 100 pounds my next Thursday. <laughs> no, I just, I found something authentic to me that works and I started doing it. And guess what? Just like that, I fell in love with it. Just like that. It, there, there was no like, man, I got to freaking work out or I'm not going to hit my, there's none of that there. It's none of that there. It's like, oh, I got 10 minutes. Let me go do this wake up routine. Let me go do this thing. I got 30 minutes. Let me run over here. Let me go do this now. And you know what? That, that accrued interest builds, builds, and I'm seeing my life change. And I have the energy now to do what I, I didn't think. You told me the other day I, I could work out 300 minutes a week. I'd be like, yeah, I'd fall apart. I'd drop dead or something. You know what I mean? Like, but starting at like 150 minutes a week, the 200 minute, it, you don't even, I'm not even trying to hit it. You just look up, you're like, and I look and I do the math I put on my board just to kind of like, like for me, just to kind of keep myself accountable and look what I'm doing. I'm like, wow, oh, I hit 300 freaking minutes. Dude, I feel great. And I'm not even like shooting for that. You know what I'm saying? And so whenever, man, I'm just telling you, I don't know, I don't know if I'm, I'm getting stuck here, but I'm telling you, seek his face. You know what the answer to the North Gate is? You seek his face. Re-identification to the North Gate. You know what re means? 
without the English teacher telling everyone? Re means again. And, and will this look different? Probably in six months, 12 months? Sure. But you know what I do know? Some of the things that apostle, when he comes, will declare are the same things we already heard before. He's going to identify again and remind us who you are. You know who you are, Northgate? You're a lampstand of awakening. When you're in the presence, people are in your presence because you spent time in his presence, they come alive. That's why what we hear from the McDowell testimony, you guys were happy. You know what that, she's feeling awakening. She don't even know how to describe it. Just you're happy. Guess what? You come in the proximity, boom, it starts to hit you. You come in. How many of you seen this on the job site? How many of you? Joe Chan will text sometimes. Oh man, I was on the job site, brother. And I was just, uh, <laughs> it's awesome. I love those stories. Arm in with the band. Come on, man. Even when you're working out your own issues, you carry a lampstand of awakening wherever you go. You go in there, I go to work and I hear a kid talking about he got arrested because he tried to commit suicide. These knucklehead cops in Ravenna, guess what they did when they broke down the bedroom door? Tased them. Yeah, because someone wrestling with their life, the last thing, next thing they need is get their, the crap beat out of them by the police. That's really going to help their situation, knuckleheads. So they kicked this freaking door and tased them like a million times and freaking beat them up and drug them out of there. So he's sitting there like, oh, but you know what? He got lucky that day because that kid went to the office. I went to the office. You know what happened? What happened? Brother, you need Jesus. Screw my job. If they fire me over this, bro, you, all that in the world that you think they're telling you to help, you have no hope in that. You have hope in one thing, Christ. And he loves you so much. And the other lady, that they're all Christians at, at that center. They stop and they're like, looking out the door, they're like, and I hear, come on, Brother Mike. That's what they call me. Come on, Brother Mike. Come on, it's in the neighborhood. And Miguel or Athens, Ravenna, you know. Come on, Brother Mike. You better listen to this man. You better listen to the man of God. And I'm like, yeah, I got a choir behind me now. <laughs> Brother, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Why? Because it's awakening. They may have been too afraid to do that. But when awakening walks in a room and someone has the courage to, to begin to release light, guess what happens? Everybody else in the room, even other believers start to stand up like meerkats. No, no, let's do it. I'm, in, I'm with him. This is how we're going to get through this. You know how we're going to get through whatever we're going through? Northgate, whether that's your family, we're going to get through it by the lampstand, through face-to-face. We're going to get seek Jesus, like Mama T saying, Yeshua, you're more beautiful than 10,000s. When we get back and we get the song of all songs in our heart, that's how we're going to see this through. You know how we're going to get through depression? We're going to be the Shulamite that says, when I find him, I won't let him go because I found something greater. I'm at his feet. I'm going to throw it at his feet like Ruth did to Boaz, and I'm going to change the world. Why? Because just proximity of the king. Just by proximity. How many lives has he touched and you've touched? Don't overcomplicate this thing. When a praying man or woman goes, BB, and you're there, don't matter if you get mad and cuss a little bit. On the thing. <laughs> I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying if it happens. Is that good? No, no. But what I'm saying, it doesn't, it doesn't because there's honesty, there's authenticity. There's a light that shine through all the mistakes that draw people to him. That's how we're going to win the city. That's how Apostle said we're going to win the city. That's how Mama Tina sang for years. All I did was stay in here. All I did was worship. All I did was stay right here. That's all Esther did. She didn't even go out to see the gallows. That was meant for her uncle. She didn't have to. She heard the word and said, nope. I have proximity to the king. And in one request in prayer, one request, one communication to the king, an entire nation was saved from genocide. You know how you're going to have hope for your marriage? Pray together. Not this religious, like, if we don't do it, we're going to die crap. Like, if we don't do it, if we don't pray over kids, they're going to think they can get an accident. No, stop that. If you still do that, stop it. You know what it is? Man, it's, it's as simple as this. Sam, come here. Let's pray. Okay, Daddy. Who do we know that's sick? 
let's start praying for Mimi. Let's start praying for whoever. Amen. And I'm like, come, come here. You know how we respond to the Father? Hey, Sam. This is the Father speaking, right? You want to come snuggle with Daddy on the beanbag? Yes. So I lay down, and he climbs right up to me. That's what devotion looks like. Hey, Mike, you want to meet me at the church and pray? Yes. He climbs right up. And what's funny is, I won't dare to move. He's sitting there rubbing my face, my beard. Just sitting there. We don't have to do anything else. I, As the father, I won't move. Even though I may have something else to do. I'm sitting right here until he's done. I'm the adult. I could get up and do whatever I want to. I don't have to be there. And he's going to be okay. But as an unconstrained one, the father can't be constrained by anyone, allows himself to be constrained by us. Why? Because of love. And if you struggle with devotion, get back to the place where he says, hey, Hev, you want to hang out for a little bit? Like, sure, Papa. There's something about when people call him Papa, it's like that revelation they have, they just don't call him Lord, they call him Papa. There's something a little bit different that they approach God. My friend Natalie Haynes, who's now Natalie Campbell, years ago, would never just say, call him God. She would just say, Papa. And I, I could see her literally in front of a crowd of people when she'd come preach. She would just get a blanket and lay down. She's like, I don't care what you all think of me. I'm snuggling with Papa. And she'd lay down and the whole room would get thick. Am I kidding? What if your devotional life, we overthought, we overthink it so much. We overthought it to where we thought we had to do this, praying tongues for an hour. And I've been there and I like praying in tongues. But he just says, hey, Dave, why don't you go back where Coffee Joe, Coffee Joe's was, <laughs> I was going to say something, but I'm just, Coffee Joe's back there. Why don't you just come back here for 10 minutes? Sure, Papa. Are you going to show me about the business? Nope. We'll talk about that later. And what if we approach our times in the morning? Hey, Papa, I'm here. It's good to throw stuff at his feet, but what if you just show up? Papa, I'm here. I've learned that out of desperation, where I was so tired and just distraught. I sat there. Father, I'm here. I know you love me. I feel like crap, so I need you to move, but I'm, I'm making an effort, feeling terrible like I do. <laughs> so bless it, in Jesus' name. <laughs> and he's responded to that. But if I just clear all that out and I just show up? Papa, you want to hang out for a few minutes? Because Sam comes to me in the middle of the work day when I'm working and I'm actually into it and I'm not looking for a reason to be distracted. You know what I mean? I'm actually getting it done. I'm sitting there like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting this done. I'm getting that done. I get all excited. And he comes over. If he's home and he goes, hug. I'll look over. And I'm like, man, I got this to do. And he'll walk away and he'll turn around and look at me. And I'm like, dang it. Put the laptop down and get up. Come here. I'll stop everything I'm doing to give him a hug. Come on. That's the devotional life. It's not, I missed it today. So I got to do double time tomorrow. It's not that religious duty nonsense. It's a real person named Jesus, a real person named Holy Spirit, and a real person named Abba Father who loves you so incredibly. It's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. In so many years, I wasted my life trying to earn the kingdom, not realizing he's just waiting to give it to me, but he won't give it to me if I'm trying to earn it for my own protection. And so when I can surrender all that effort, and I just say, here I am. He goes, here you go. Here's your inheritance. That's how we're going to change our families. That's how we're going to change our families. I love it when Jen and I pray, and we just turn the music on, and we just begin to pray and worship a little bit together, and we start to pray for family. There's such a sweet essence that comes in there. It changes how we, we treat each other well, but it's, it, it creates this connection there. How I many you know what I'm talking about? 
It's, it's, it's just like, I don't have to like try hard to be nicer to her because we're praying and there's the atmosphere of worship's in her house. And it's not as good as when Mama T is singing up here. Okay, but it's, but you can feel a change. And guess what? You may get a little extra neck rub. Maybe a little kiss here. Maybe a little squeeze on the leg. Come on. <coughs> you want to fix your marriage? He taught it in the marriage class. Intimacy with Jesus. And communication will produce intimacy and in all of its other forms around us. It's Northgate. Don't worry about everything. God is going to identify again who we are over this next six months. And he said this a few weeks ago, and it was more than about Mark and Bobby. He's sending reinforcements. Isaiah 55 says, we know that we know the thing because Dexter used to sing it so perfectly. His word won't return void. But you know what it really says? It says, it'll go forth like the rain and the water of the earth until it sprouts righteousness in the earth. So you know what? If you have to hear beloved identity a thousand more times, it's another drop of rain coming until you're fully convinced. And if you have to sit at his feet a million more years, guess what? You never lose anything and it'll never be taken away from you. And you'll let the glory come in in your home, into your business. Come on and begin to saturate those things and those places. And guess what happens? Favor starts to work in your behalf. I don't no longer have to find a path. The path will start coming to me and form right before my feet. Why? Because the steps of a righteous man are ordered what? By who? The Lord. And since favor comes, I just don't even have to search the path. I just begin to, over here. It's how I got my job. Over here. Hey, will you come work for us? Yes, I will. Praise Jesus. That was a divine appointment. You don't understand what that is? Cool. Come on, stand your feet. Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.